Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of JavaScript Jabber. In fact, this is episode 400 of JavaScript Jabber, and we're going to kind of do a little bit more of a meta episode and uh, talk about what everybody's got going on and things like that. We've got three of our current panelists and one of our past panelists. It'll be fun to catch up with Dave here in a minute. But yeah, I'm going to do the roll call that we normally do, and then we'll uh, get started and see what everybody's doing and working on these days. So on our panel, we have Dan Shapir. Hi, all the way from Tel Aviv. Christopher Beekler. Hey, it's Chris from Closebase.com, coming to you from Providence, Rhode Island. We have Steve, and I, I can't see the picture, so I'm not sure which Steve, because we have two Steves. <laughs> oh, this is Steve Edwards, coming at you from Portland. Nice. And then Dave Smith is back with us for episode 400. Blast from the past. Hi, everyone. And I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv and maxcoders.io. This episode is sponsored by Tidelift, the enterprise-ready open-source software managed-for-use solution. Tidelift provides commercial support and maintenance for the open-source dependencies you use to build your applications, backed by the project maintainers. Save time, reduce risk, and improve code health. The Tidelift subscription is managed open source for application development teams. It covers millions of open source projects across JavaScript, Python, Java, PHP, Ruby, .NET, and more. Your subscription includes security updates from Tidelift security response team that coordinates patches for new breaking security vulnerabilities and alerts immediately through a private channel so your software supply chain is always secure. Tidelift also verifies license information to enable easy policy enforcement and adds intellectual property indemnification to cover creators and users in case something goes wrong. You always have a 100% up-to-date bill of materials for your dependencies to share with your legal team, customers, and partners. Tidelift ensures the software you rely on keeps working as long as you need it to work. Your managed dependencies are actively maintained and we recruit additional maintainers when required. Tidelift helps you choose the best open source packages from the start and then guides you through the updates to stay on the best releases as new issues arise. Take a seat at the table with the creators behind the software you use. Tidelift's participating maintainers earn more income as their software is used by more subscribers, so they're interested in knowing what you need. Tidelift supports GitHub, GitLab, Bitbucket, and more. They support every cloud platform and other development targets too. The bottom line is you get all the capabilities you expect and require from commercial software, but now from the key open source software you depend on. Check them out at devchat.tv slash Tidelift. Dave, since you haven't been on for the longest... Why don't you go ahead and uh, catch people up on what you're doing and how are things going with like uh, soft skills engineering podcast and, you know, all the other things that you're doing? Oh, yeah, sure. So, um, oh, gosh, I actually can't remember when I was last on the show, but I think it's been a good three years, maybe, maybe longer, maybe four. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so since that time, Jamison Dance and I have launched a new podcast called Soft Skills Engineering. We've answered about 300 questions on the air from developers about the non-technical side of software development. You can check us out at softskills.audio or just search soft skills engineering in your podcast app. Professionally, I've uh, been working for Amazon for the last three years, been working on Alexa. Nice. Of course, you said that word and everybody's device woke up. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's all good. So where were you when, uh, when you left the show? Because you weren't at Amazon, you were somewhere else. Yeah, at the time I was, um, I think I was director of engineering at HireVue, which is that a startup right. SaaS company, which is doing great without me. <laughs> that's always good to hear. It means that you uh, set them up well. So Right, yeah. that's one way to look at it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I guess uh, as far as what you've got going on, you know, talking about Amazon and uh, soft skills engineering, any other changes in life? Have you moved or you... You doing any other things, picked up any new hobbies, anything like that? 
Yes. Um, I'm trying to think of a funny hobby I can share that's not real. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure no one cares about my ridiculously stupid hobbies. I am an avid road biker, if that counts. Love to ride my bike. Yeah. I have moved twice, I, once from Salt Lake City to Boston and once the exact reverse two years later back to Salt Lake City, which is where I am now. Oh, interesting. I didn't even realize you'd moved. That shows how often we get together here in Salt Lake City. Yeah. We need to rekindle this relationship. Yeah, Chuck. absolutely. We did run into each other. Was it at NGCom? Yeah, that's right. And so we, we had a chat and yeah, things are going pretty well. It's good to hear. So you're doing JavaScript on Alexa or are you working in some other stack? A little bit. I, most of the code I write is Java, which has as much Alexa, to do with shut up. <laughs> most that of the was my I, fault. <laughs> most of the code I work on is Java, which has as much to do with JavaScript as cars do with carpet. Yep. I love getting that. I get that from tech people that should know better. No, but I, I actually have written two JavaScript apps, React apps that we use internally. And so, yeah, I mean, JavaScript is everywhere. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and move on to some of our other panelists and see where they're at. Because I know we've done like brief introductions when they joined the show, but I don't think we've really gotten the rundown as far as like who you are and what you've done and all that stuff, unless we did a My JavaScript story or had you on as a guest and you kind of went into that. So Chris, you've been around, I guess, the longest of our current panelists that are on the show. Hmm. Um, So you want to just explain, yeah, what you do and, and how you do it and all that stuff? Sure, absolutely. I have actually in the past been on JavaScript Jabber as a guest and been on my JavaScript story as a guest. So uh, people can definitely check those out if they want even more (laughs) exacting detail. I am a JavaScript developer, started out all the way on the design side of things and have self-taught my way all the way way over to the point where I spend most of my life in JavaScript. I work a lot with React and associated technologies like Redux. Currently, I'm working a lot with GraphQL. And I split my days between, it's a 50-50 mix of contract work for various, mostly startups. Almost my entire career has been startups. I don't really dig the big company environment. So 50-50 contracting and working on my personal business, which is closebrace.com, which is specifically a um, tutorial and resource site for JavaScript developers. Put out a weekly newsletter that has a tutorial every Friday called JS Quick Hits. And it's basically just a quick hit on some JavaScript subjects. Could be anything I've covered, you know, like here's how array.map works. And I've covered, uh, right, actually this Friday, the first, what I'm calling a an extremely gentle introduction to TypeScript going out on Friday because I've had enough readers be like, I want to learn TypeScript, but I'm really scared of it, which having worked with it for a bit, I can totally understand because it gets very complicated very fast. So yeah, that's that's the kind of stuff I do. In addition, um, trying to find the time to put together courses and maybe an ebook, planning on revamping the site a little bit in 2020. Right now I have so much contract work that it's, it's not quite 50-50. Uh, it's eating a little more of my time than I'd like. But yeah, so uh, just trying to continue to grow closebrace.com and uh, working for people who need JavaScript help in the meantime. Nice. I also forgot that you were a guest on uh, React Roundup last year. So, Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'd forgotten that as well. Yeah, I did a search on devchat.tv because yep. I made the search feature work. I'm pretty proud of myself. But yeah, I was like, oh, there's another one here. <laughs> so yeah. Awesome. Dan, do you want to uh, talk about what you're doing, what you're working on? Yeah, for sure. So like Chris, I've also been uh, on both... Uh, JavaScript Jabber as a guest before. Actually, I've been there twice. Uh, let's see. It was episodes. If anybody is interested, it was episode 334. 
about the Web Performance API and 371 about uh, the benefits and challenges of uh, server-side rendering. And I've also been on the My JavaScript Story. So if somebody really wants to learn about my career in exacting detail as well, they can find it there. I've been doing software for, wow, 20-something years, coming on 30, I guess, doing JavaScript in one way or another for close to, for around 20 years. Currently, I'm the performance tech lead at Wix, uh, which means that uh, I'm kind of responsible for making 150 million websites hosted on the Wix platform load and execute faster. So that's, that's undoubtedly an interesting role. It become especially interesting because at Wix, we, it, about a year ago, the whole performance thing was specified as a top uh, pri- priority strategic goal for the entire company from the CEO on down to every part of the organization. And that means that it makes my life, on the one hand, much easier because uh, I, I get instant buy-in from everybody that I engage with. But on the other hand, it also means that I actually have to deliver in every part of the organization, which is certainly challenging. And it's not just uh, the front-end engineers in JavaScript. It's also the back-end stuff. It's also product managers and system and infrastructure and even designers and and the UX experts and support and even marketing. So all of these parts of the organization are actually involved in one way or another in uh, the performance of the websites hosted on our platform. And it's really great that everybody really understands the importance of this. And, uh, and I get uh, really a buy-in from everybody in the organization. Other than that, I enjoy speaking at conferences. I did a couple of conferences this year. The most recent one I think I already mentioned was JS Camp in Bucharest, Romania. I've also done two YGLF, which uh, stands for You Gotta Love the Frontend Conferences, and another one. So, so yeah, having a lot of fun with, uh, with JavaScript and software development. Awesome. And Steve, how about you? So I was on my JavaScript story, episode 78. Uh, it was when you opened it up to other people, and I was one of the first ones to jump in there and had a good time. I've been doing web development since about 2000, 2001, full-time since about 2009. I started on Drupal in the PHP world. Got into JavaScript when Angular started coming into the Drupal world four or five years ago. And then about two or three years ago, I started looking at Vue about the time that AngularJS went to uh, Angular 2. Just worked on it on my own, did uh, some work with a platform called Form.io, guy named Travis Tidwell that's been on JavaScript Jabber before. And uh, now I do Vue full-time for a company called uh, Imageware Systems based out of San Diego. We have an office here in Portland. Mostly administrative type tools uh, for administrating our backends and uh, other tools for uh, internal people. And uh, yeah, just loving it, being able to, to do it full time instead of just evenings and weekends. Awesome. And uh, yeah, I should just jump in, I guess, and talk about what I've got going on here. Obviously, mostly what I do is the podcasts. I guess that still surprises people. So I shouldn't say obvious because I talk to people and they're like, really, you're doing the podcast full time? But devchat.tv now produces about 20 episodes per week which means that I am constantly uh, moving from one thing to the other to keep the shows running. One thing I figured out fairly recently, so we started five different shows in about the middle of July, started recording them, released them the middle to end of August. And I figured out pretty quickly that getting the show started requires a lot more work for me than I thought. 
because I thought, oh, well, I'll find hosts and I'll get them all going and we'll provide them the infrastructure and, you know, I'll back them all up and the shows will just kind of run because I've kind of gotten used to that with uh, some of the other longer running shows. And what I realized was that the shows I had started before that, I co-hosted them for the first year. And that's why they now can run without me, the React, the View, and the Angular, and the Elixir shows. I've had to dip back into those shows <laughs> and uh, help co-host them to get them running. So, and and it's not really a, a big problem or anything. It's just that I don't know as much about .NET or blockchain or some of these other technologies. Whereas with uh, React, Vue, and Elixir, to a certain degree, I could, I could fake it a little bit better. You know, I could go figure out enough to, you know, draw it out out of the guest, but blockchain. I know enough about the basics to be dangerous, but I don't know enough about like the the community. And so that's been tricky. And then a few weeks ago, I put out an episode on JavaScript Jabber and I was talking about the 10X engineer tweets that uh, the internet got went bananas about and, you know, beat the crap out of that guy uh, virtually, um, you know, and just tore him apart. And the one thing that I ran into that I didn't really particularly care for was that People were tearing the tweets down, but weren't really talking about what makes somebody a great engineer. And so I did an episode, and I did, I did tear those tweets apart. But I also tried to then turn around and talk about why the reverse was true on the ones I completely disagreed with, tried to add nuance to the ones that I kind of agreed with, and then just back up the ones that I completely agreed with. And I think there were like two out of the 11 that I agreed with, you know, for the most part. So anyway, people came out of the woodwork and, you know, gave me a bunch of feedback. And I realized that that's the kind of help that I want to give people. It's, it's very similar to, you know, kind of what Dave and Jameson are doing on soft skills engineering, where they're answering people's questions about soft skills is what do you have to do in order to be a successful engineer? What do you have to do to be the kind of engineer that companies want to work for them, that people want to work with on their teams and that are building the kind of career that supports whatever lifestyle you want, you know? So if the lifestyle is working on open source, great. If the lifestyle is, I want to go surf after work every day, great. You know, how do you build that, that kind of a career? For me, it's, it's, it's ideas around success and being a success in development. And I started a show on this a while back, but I, I'm kind of going to relaunch it and reformat it a little bit. So instead of trying to do like five, 10-minute videos every week, I'm going to do basically one to two podcast episodes every week. And with the added benefit of since it's just me and I don't care if I'm on camera, they're going to wind up as videos as well. Anyway, that, that's what I'm working on now. I'm also launching a membership site to address a lot of this stuff and just basically break down for people. Here's how you become a good developer. Here's how you, you know, become a leader within your team. Here's how you, you know, take responsibility for the things that you can control. Here's how you make certain kinds of contributions in technology and in, in your coworkers and things like that. That's where a lot of my attention is these days and just getting that rolling because that's, that's what I get excited about. That's what I get fired up over. You know, I get really ticked off when people lead people down the wrong path and then they're trying to figure out why they're not happy at work, even though they spent a whole bunch of time learning React or something. So can I ask you something about that? Yeah, go ahead. So is is that show going to be more like, you know, your rants or is it yep. more <laughs> going to be more more like uh, providing some sort of a roadmap or a recipe? So I'm I'm working out an outline. The outline is going to be followed much more rigorously within the membership site. But yeah, I, I'm not really going to hold anything back on the podcasts. It's just going to be more neatly organized within the membership community. And you'll have more access to me to ask questions and get involved. We're going to do some webinars in the membership community. 
So I'll bring other people in to talk about what they think makes a, you know, a max coder is what I'm calling it, you know, and things like that. But yeah, the podcasts are all going to be, yeah, they're going to be rants from me about those topics and they're going to follow a general outline. But the, the membership site is going to be a lot more structured and be more designed to help people really level up in those areas. It's going to get them ahead. So that sounds really cool and awesome. That's what I keep hearing from people. So <laughs> I don't know if people are saying that because they like me or because it's a good idea, but I've had a few people just go off about how much, how needed it is. And so actually, I totally agree. Um, you know, I'm working at a fairly large company now and uh, I'm, I'm sometimes surprised by how often it turns out that I, you know, go to lunch with uh, relatively junior devs. Sometimes they're not even junior devs. They're mm-hmm. devs that have been around the block for a while, and they kind of are not really sure about how to advance their career or where yeah. they want to go or what it is that they need to do in order to, to move ahead. Very often, they're not even sure what moving ahead actually means. So, you know, there's so many options in our field about, what it means to actually advance in your career. And a lot of people, a lot of times people don't actually think it through and they end up not necessarily where they want to be. Yeah, I could riff on this for hours. In fact, the the first couple of weeks of the membership site, the videos you're going to get are going to walk you through that, figuring what out what that is for you and explaining that it's okay to change your mind. But that, that's not what we're talking about here on episode 400. But yeah, I completely agree. That's usually the first big misstep that people make, so... Anyway, uh, that podcast is going to be The DevRev. And I think it's thedevrev.com, if I remember right. So you can go check that out. I'll make sure that there's a link in there. And you can also just go to devchat.tv and click on podcasts and it's in the list. But yeah, I'm also going to be putting that stuff up on YouTube and things like that. So yeah, we'll see how it all shakes out. But yeah, those are the kinds of conversations I want to have and just let people know, hey, look, you know, figure out what you want and go get it. The kind of the next thing that I wanted to go into though was podcast episodes. So are there podcast episodes within the last 400 episodes that you've really enjoyed either being on or listening to or, you know, what are your favorites? Dave, you haven't been on for a while. Have you, have you listened since you left the show? And if you have, are, are there any standouts? So my, I think my all-time favorite has to be episode 179. Four years ago this week, it came out. It was uh, React and Redux with Dan Abramov who created Redux. And I think the thing that I loved about this episode was this was like one of the most amazing rises to stardom that I can ever recall. And at the time we interviewed Dan, like no one had heard of Dan and no one had heard of Redux. You know, the only the only thing he had talked about was this was totally conference-driven development, right? Where he's giving a talk and it's about time travel debugging and state management and stuff. And so he built Redux for that talk then gave the talk. It was, a, it was in Paris, as I recall, React Europe. And then, like, just one thing led to another. Next thing you know, like, his phone's ringing off the hook. He's got tons of Twitter followers and emails. And then, before we know it, he's moving to London from Russia to work for Facebook, and which is where he's still employed. And now he's, like, this celebrity. And I just thought, it's pretty fun that we got a chance to talk to Dan. And, and this is actually a theme on JavaScript Jabber I notice a lot, is we would get to people who nobody had heard of yet, and I'm not saying that the podcast made them into celebrities per se, but it seems like we got early access to these fascinating people and got to talk to them, hear their story. And then after that, it was impossible to get them to respond to your messages because they were getting inundated so much with, with all that. So that was probably my favorite episode. And Dan is just, he's so humble and so smart and so interesting. 
And he really is the same person he was four years ago, despite just an incredible change in his life from then. So that's probably my fave. Yeah. It's it's interesting too, because a lot of times, yeah, we just, we, we got in when the conversation was just starting. And then, yeah, we'd get those folks in and and so it would continue the conversation. I, you know, I, I don't feel like there are too many instances where we can take credit on any of the shows really for starting yeah, the conversation. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, for, for furthering sure. the conversation by getting the people on and having interested folks as panelists, you know, get in and, and have the conversation with them. Another two technologies that I thought we, we got in super early with and got to talk to the founders or creators, which I thought was really cool, is Webpack and Elm and Vue. Like we were talking about Vue way before Vue was cool, I think. Yeah, we did. We got Evan on and it was just starting to take off. And yeah, it, it got lift. And then, yeah, now we have a whole podcast about it. It's just fun. We'll, we'll get links to all of those in the, the show notes. Christopher, what, what about you? So I am relatively new. I, I happen to be the longest serving panelist, at, at least of people who are active panelists on this particular recording, but I haven't actually been a part of JS Jabber for all that long. So most of my, I, all of my uh, favorite episodes so far are, are ones that I've participated in just that have been particularly fun. I really enjoyed episode 383, which was you, me, and Amy talking about what is JavaScript. And I think that that's a question that you could ask every six months and have a really interesting discussion on every six months without any trouble whatsoever because JavaScript itself is such a rapidly changing landscape that you might have some of the same fundamental answers, but I think there's a lot of stuff around the edges that would change or be added to. I had a really good time talking with you guys about that. I thought the follow-up 385, what can you build with JavaScript, which was uh, just you, Chuck, and me, was another really interesting conversation. That's the kind of stuff that I really enjoy talking about is sort of, you know, what's happening in this scene? What are people doing with JavaScript? It's, uh, I'm much more interested on all the, ex- much more interested in all the exciting stuff that's happening than sort of the arguing about what you should use or which framework's the best or that kind of thing. I'm, uh, I think they're all great, honestly. And I think there's a different solution for every problem. Usually there are multiple solutions for every problem. So for me, it's more like, hey, what's cool? What's new? What, you know, what are people doing? Additionally, a couple of others real quick. Uh, I was on JSJ 390 with Adam Leventhal. That was me and Chris Ferdinandi ran that particular show. And I just really enjoyed talking with him. I thought it was a, an interesting episode and, and he seems like a cool guy. And we had a good conversation. 395, The New Ember with Mike North was a really fun discussion. We had a big panel, which was cool. And Mike himself, the whole time we were recording the podcast, I was like, man, I wish that the people who get to listen to this could see video because Mike communicates with his hands as much as he does with his voice. So there was just this constant motion happening on the webcams that the the listeners weren't going to be able to see. But he was a really, really fun guest. And, and I had a good time on that one. I really love the panel only discussions yeah where we just dive in and it's like okay what you know what what are people telling you what are you seeing what are you experiencing yeah for sure sometimes it's cool to just have a a very broad topic and just get everybody talking about it yep absolutely how about you dan do you have some favorite episodes yeah for sure i think the the subjectively the ones that i enjoyed the most were the ones that i was a guest on 
I also wanted to mention that uh, I ride my bike to uh, to work almost every day through the park, and this is it's really nice. And I enjoy uh, listening to podcasts while I ride. And guess which one is one of my most favorite podcasts? And I also like to listen to it uh, when I work out at the gym or where I, when I go grocery shopping. So in any event, I actually, even though I'm a new panelists, I actually managed to listen to a whole bunch of episodes and uh, I'll actually pick a couple. So I really enjoy uh, what, uh, listening to Carl Simpson talk about essentially almost anything related to technology. And I think he was twice on JavaScript Jabber. I think he spoke once about uh, teaching JavaScript. Let me see. That was episode, I think, 220. And then again, talking about uh, functional programming in JavaScript in, in episode uh, 313. And both of these were excellent. Kyle is an awesome, awesome guy. I really, I really enjoy also hanging out with him. He's just great. And uh, being a history buff, I have to love the episode uh, that you guys did with uh, Brendan Eich, speaking about the origin of JavaScript. You know, Brandon is, isn't just an awesome technologist and, and person, and we owe him so much. He's also such a wonderful speaker and, and a humble person. It was really great listening to him describe how JavaScript came about, even though I actually was familiar with the story from before. So I have to say that uh, these are my most favorite episodes. Yeah, I was thrilled when we wound up getting Brendan Icon And just a little bit, bit of background there. I don't know exactly how it got lined up. I know Aaron Frost was the one that lined it up. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it happened and it was just, it was really cool because we got to ask him all our questions about where JavaScript came from. Steve, do you have some favorites? Yeah, I've been going back and looking through these episodes because I've been listening for a number of years before I ever uh, came on here. But uh, Dan just stole one of mine, the one with Brendan Ike. I've actually heard him on other podcasts too. And it's always fascinating to listen to him and, and not so much just about how JavaScript started, but what was going on with everything at the time with Netscape and Internet Explorer and just how the internet was exploding at that time. So it's just fascinating to listen to that. And But then another more recent one was the one, uh, episode 392 with Douglas Crockford. And just listening to his uh, breadth of experience and knowledge about different languages and how different things work together and the good parts and the bad parts about JavaScript and and his involvement with the various committees. And uh, it's just fascinating to, to listen to everything that goes on. And someone like that who's who's been around the block and been there since the beginning, and along with the one with Brendan Ike that Dan mentioned. And then the one before that, 391, was the debugging uh, episode. I, uh, you know, I live in my debugger all day. I wouldn't get, you know, much work done if I didn't have my debugger from a coding standpoint. So to me, it was fascinating to, to it's always good to find out uh, ways to help me make my day-to-day job a little better when it comes to debugging and doing the things that I do on a day-to-day basis. So I'd have to say those are, those are probably my three favorites. That was the episode where most of us admitted that we mostly just use console log and then Amy got very <laughs> upset with us. Yeah, I, I was siding with Amy that one. And I actually pinged Chuck on, on Twitter after that one. I was surprised that nobody had talked about some of the debugging tools and IDEs like uh, WebStorm, PHP Storm, or yeah, VS the Code visual debuggers. Some of the visual. I'm a very visual person, so I like to make breakpoints and stopping and looking and examining everything at a particular point in the process. So for me, those are... Those are my favorite tools. Yeah. yeah I can actually really appreciate that uh, my original JavaScript coding was done 
in the days when we didn't even have debuggers. So it was alerts all the way. Uh, that gives me nightmares just thinking about that. Yeah, actually, at one point, I actually emulated something like a console log functionality by uh, having like a div and then just outputting content into that div as a sort of a poor man's console log. Yeah, I've been playing with Electron lately, and I can't always count on console log. I, for whatever reason, it just doesn't always put it where I can find it. And so that, that's been fun, too, just to see where that all ends up. I also remember the battle days in Ruby where yeah, we had some visual debugger tools, but everybody was using command line stuff. <laughs> and so you would insert statements into your code that would essentially, yeah, stop the code execution and let you view what was going on there. But the debugging stuff is always fun to dig into. And we're, we're just going to have to have Steve lead us in an episode where we talk about visual debuggers and all that good stuff. Well, I got to get them all working first. You know, in the, in the, <laughs> in the PHP world, it's really pretty easy because I lived with a PHP Storm and XDebug and I could set up debug yeah. anywhere and to figure just about anything out. And I haven't quite mastered the uh, using the IDEs. I'm still working on getting it set up. I use a lot of the, you know, just the Chrome dev tools and the debuggers in there. And that does a pretty good job, but I, I think I'll do that check once I get it all working and figured out. Yeah, I, I tend to, when I'm using a visual debugger, it's usually in the, dev tools on whatever browser I'm playing in. So Yeah, exactly. Yep. I'm trying to think what what kind of the standouts are for me. I mean, you know, the Brendan Ike one was one that was just super exciting to do and I email Brendan periodically to see if he wants to come back on and it's always I'm busy. I think I can do it around this time frame and then yeah, it's just he's super busy and it's it's hard to make his schedule work. Sorry to interrupt, but you could probably get him on the blockchain one, uh, you know, given what he's doing with Oh games. yeah. Yeah, the the brave. What is it? The the BAT. I can't remember what it stands for, but yeah, appreciation token. I think it is or something. Yeah, that's a good idea. We should do that. Yeah, some of the standouts for me. I mean, the Douglas Crockford one stands out uh, of the more recent ones, just because we'd asked him a bunch of times to come on the show. In fact, I think I think Dave actually asked him once, and I think the response was, "I don't pod." <laughs> I remember that. That's right. I asked him if he would cast instead. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we'd, we'd email him periodically and he'd be like, oh, no. And then uh, we emailed him most recently and said, you know what? We're reaching out to people who have done courses on front end masters. Do you want to come on? And he said, sure. So I don't know why that was different, but hooked. It's hooked all on. in the approach. It's all in the approach. It's, it's so true sometimes. I think also podcasting has grown to the point where it, was, it wasn't like this uh, out there thing anymore. But, uh, you know, whatever the reason, yeah, it was a great conversation to have and a lot of fun to talk to him and just kind of get this other perspective on what's gone on in the JavaScript community. It reminded me a little bit of a conversation that I have. So I've gotten rather involved in Utah politics, you know, and so I hear like one side of the story from one group of people and then I'll go to lunch with somebody else that I've met and I get this totally different take on what's going on and why people did what they did and things like that. And I just find those so fascinating. I mean, some of it was political, right? You know, the ES3 and ES3.1, ES4 and all that stuff, ES5. But more than that, it's just, oh, wow, there's all this context and all these people were involved in these different ways. And you just, you know, you don't really think about that stuff when you're writing the code, right? And so, yeah, it was fascinating to dive into that way. So have you stopped using plus plus since that conversation? (laughs) <laughs> I don't really find too many occasions where I have to use plus plus. 
Because usually I reach for the the four each's instead of the four loops. So yeah, I use it less for the same reason they've JavaScript's array support has improved so much that you yeah. don't have to do as much for loops anymore. But I also have my linter set to yell at me for plus plus. So I ended up, I barely use yeah. it anymore for that reason. Yep. Some of the other ones that have stood out, the FonaDB episode kind of underscored to me how, how much cloud stuff is out there. And that was with Evan Weaver. I really kind of enjoyed the, the thought process that went behind that. One of my other favorites is episode, I think it's episode four. And it was when we had, oh, who was it? It was this deep discussion between Backbone and Ember because Yehuda was one of our uh, original panelists. Jeremy Ashkenis. Yeah. His name. Yeah. We had Jeremy Ashkenis. And uh, anyway, so they, they went super deep on the philosophies of the different frameworks. And it was almost a battle. It was really kind of interesting to sit in on and listen to. Well, that was really fun to just be part of that conversation and, and hear some of the thoughts and, and influences that were going on, you know, what, five, six, seven, no, seven years seven ago. Seven years. Almost eight years ago in JavaScript. And, you know, where we are now with a lot of this stuff and, you know, what's borne out and what was kind of a stepping stone to new stuff and things like that. That's always interesting to me as well. And then we also had Jordan and... I'm trying to remember. We had Jordan Walk from Facebook and we had somebody else on the show and I, I feel bad because I don't remember exactly who it was. We were talking to them about React and it was right around when they had announced React Native. And so we wound up talking a lot about React Native as well. Not really as as planned, but just, yeah, we had Pete Hunt. That's who it was. So we had Pete Hunt and Jordan Walk. So we wound up talking a bit about... uh React and React Native and Facebook. Anyway, that that was really cool to just jump in on that stuff too and and get a feel for what was going on over there. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. I was just going to say that I think it's pretty awesome that given given how fast the, the JavaScript ecosystem is evolving and progressing, that it's still so worthwhile to just go back to some of these like old episodes and, and listen to them or listen to them again, because a lot of them still have so much value. Yeah. I'm looking at like episode 10 with Node.js. That's in April of 2012. That was right about the time it was getting started, wasn't it? It wasn't like brand new, but it wasn't, it wasn't well established either. Yeah, pretty early on. I don't know the exact timeline, but I remember hearing out about it back around that time. Yep. And just looking through some of these, you know, when we talked about uh, Phantom.js or Require.js, you know, which kind of stepped us into some other stuff here with where, where we are now. Anyway, it's, it's just really, really fascinating to, to see 
where we've come. You know, we talked a lot about promises for a while and you know, now we're starting to talk about observables and, and things like that, functional programming and yeah, all of these things that have kind of influenced the way that JavaScript has gone have just been it, it's been really interesting. You can kind of follow a journey of JavaScript through the podcast. We also talked about when NPM Inc. came out in episode 99. We talked about IOJS with, I think it was Michael. I, I can't remember for sure, but we had an episode on IOJS back when they were, you know, talking about some of the issues with Node.js and splitting off. And then that all got resolved and merged back in. And anyway, it, it, there's a really, really interesting story there. We talked to people about some of the long-running projects that nobody, well, I won't say nobody, but not as many people use like Dojo. You know, Dojo has been around forever, but it's just not as popular as some of these other frameworks and to see where they've gone with that. Anyway, it's been, it's been really, really interesting just to watch this journey and watch it through the podcast. Did you ever have an episode about MooTools? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, MooTools had kind of uh, faded into the background by the time we were running, so... But yeah, it's been brought up on a number of episodes and in my JavaScript story. Well, I got into MooTools and then I moved on from that to this. And yeah. So if I'm looking at some of the other podcasts, like the Adventures in Angular and React Roundup and Views on View, it looks like they've all sort of branched off of this podcast. Is that right? Because like the first episodes of Angular about, what, July of 2014? Yeah. So spinoffs of this show include my JavaScript story, obviously. And honestly, what the way that came about, I hired a business coach. We were talking about essentially how to increase revenue. And she said, well, you should double your JavaScript inventory. And I think what she meant was do two episodes a week. What I heard was start another JavaScript show. So I started my JavaScript story. <laughs> and eventually I had somebody else come to me and say, you should be doing two JavaScript jabbers a week. And I'm like, that's a good idea. And then I was like, I wonder if that's what she meant. So yeah, so we have that. We started doing two episodes a week. We started doing that this summer. So I did a survey and I asked people what shows they wanted. And this was two years ago, almost two years ago, year and a half ago, maybe. The overwhelming responses were React and Elixir. And it really just depended on whether people listened to Ruby Rogues or JavaScript Jabber, which one they were recommending to me, right? Because a lot of the Ruby community has moved over to Elixir, which is an Erlang-based uh, functional programming language. And a lot of JavaScript folks were doing React and wanted more React content. And then around the same time when I was spinning up React Roundup, Joe Eames came to me. And he had done this to me once before. That's where Adventures in Angular came from, is he came to me and said, I want, I want to do an Angular podcast. You know, you should start one. And I looked at him and I said, no, I, I, I don't need to start one. <laughs> and he came back like three times. And uh, Merritt Christensen and Aaron Frost and a few other folks were involved. And finally, I was like, all right. And so we started it and turned out to be a good thing. Turned out to be a good thing for that community. We really were able to help some people feel like they could connect with the community. Yeah, that one spun off of it. Views on View came out of it. Joe has started a couple of other shows. So he's, he started the DevEd podcast when he acquired Thinkster.io, which is an online courses platform for web developers. And he's been working really hard on that. They've got some terrific content in there and they're probably going to have kind of critical mass here within a few months for Thinkster if I'm reading the tea leaves right over there. But yeah, so that that kind of is a spinoff. And then interestingly enough, I've talked to Kent Dodds a few times and JavaScript Air and Angular Air were somewhat loosely based on JavaScript Jabber. So 
I wouldn't call them spinoffs because I really didn't do any work on those whatsoever and can claim almost no credit on those. But, um, you know, I've, I've talked to a number of other people that we've inspired to start shows similar in format to ours. And so that's been kind of a, a interesting deal too. React Native Radio, Natter came to me because he'd been listening to JavaScript Jabber and asked if we could launch React Native Radio on devchat.tv. So that's also somewhat related here. The Adventures in.net podcast came out of Adventures in Angular. We had Sean Claybo on that show a couple times. And then he said, well, I spent half my day doing Angular and the other half of my day doing .NET. And so that spun off of that. And so we've got now these other shows that are kind of children of the children of the you know original show. So it's been interesting. But yeah, so in some ways they are and in some ways they aren't. Joe Eames was involved in Adventures in Angular and Views on View. And so, you know, those feel a little bit more familiar. Merrick was on JavaScript Jabber and transitioned fully to Adventures in Angular. You know, so so there's definitely some pedigree there. But yeah. So we can call you the podfather then of all these podcasts? Is that it? Oh, man. I guess so. Yeah. The podfather. It's actually pretty funny. I go to the podcasting conferences and nobody knows who I am. Like I go to the programming conferences and I can talk to enough people to where there are, you know, I'll I'll find a handful of people that listen to one of the shows. And so I get reactions anywhere from, oh, you're behind those? Those are great shows to I tell them my name and they're like, oh, it's the people that I've met at the conferences year after year that know who I am. But it's because we're friends. It's not because they listen to our shows. And then we start chatting and I tell them what we're doing at devchat.tv. And the second I mentioned that we produce, I mean, even the last couple of years where I was saying, yeah, we have five or six shows that we produce every week, people were going, holy cow. And so, you know, now talking to people and saying, look, we're producing, you know, 20 ish episodes every week for podcasters, it just kind of blows their mind. It's been interesting from that front too, just to see that we're sort of turning over new ground in a lot of ways for a lot of this stuff where there really aren't that many other podcast companies or podcast networks that produce as many shows as we do. So it'll be interesting to see where we end up with. We're also working on developing our own tools at this point. So we're actually transitioning. By the end of the year, we're hoping to have all of our shows on PodWrench, which is a a software as a service that we're building to manage the, the shows. We currently move are in the process of moving just one show our first show over to it full-time. So we're working some of the kinks out of that. We also moved devchat.tv off of WordPress because WordPress just turned into a giant headache. It was less of a giant headache than the custom Rails app that I was running it on before. And the giant Rails app was kind of uh, less of a giant headache than the, the six different WordPress setups that we had before that. So it's kind of been this progression, but now it's a statically generated site. Thank you, Christopher and Andy. <laughs> He kind of pushed me that way and it's, it's, it's been pretty nice. So we, you know, we can do a lot of that stuff the way that we want now. You need a Jamstack uh, podcast then. Yeah, I've been thinking about it. I don't have time to start any more shows because I'm, you know, I'm kind of propping up three or four shows that need the help. They're getting closer to being self-sufficient. And yeah, when we get a couple more, these shows self-sufficient, you know, the blockchain shows getting there, the .NET shows getting there, the DevOps shows getting there. React Native Radio needed some help for a little while and we're starting to get kind of a consistent panel there. So once some of these tick over, then yeah, we're, we've got some other shows in the works. 
Last week, we recorded episode one of Adventures in Machine Learning. So I am starting new shows. It's just, yeah, I would love to do a Jam, Jamstack show, honestly. I just, it's hard to make it a priority when I've got some of these other ones that are very clear wins. I can find panelists for those right off the bat. So one of our experts on that one is, uh, he used to be on React Native Radio. So it's interesting to see too how people move from one show to another. But yeah. So if I want to figure out which technology is the, the new cool kid on the block, I basically need to check which new podcasts you're creating. <laughs> I don't know about that. I tend to watch and see what's uh, getting traction and moving up. But uh, like the blockchain podcast, for example, I think there's going to be something that shakes it loose and then it's really going to you know take off. A lot of people are investing more in blockchain, but it's not there yet. The machine learning arena, Right now, it's growing so fast, and there's so much going on there that, honestly, I wish I'd been a year or two earlier. It's definitely interesting to see where these are going. By the time it's sort of mainstream the way that web development or some aspects of mobile development are, I want to make sure that we already have plenty of content out there for people to go back and consume and then say, okay, I understand this. So that, that's kind of where things are at with those. We also started an open-source sustainability show. I've been talking to a few other folks that have been in the programming space for a while that people have paid a lot of attention to. And so I'm actually in contract negotiations with one company that represents one of these people. And then I just need to finalize things with one of the other folks. And so I'm hoping to get those rolling pretty fast too. But yeah, that, that's kind of where things are at here with devchat.tv. Do you sort of take uh, credit for uh, like John Papa and Ward Bell and their podcast? They learned the ropes on your show and they went and did their own thing. Um, I, I I find it really hard to take credit for things that I'm not doing the work on, right? I mean, those guys are going out, they're hustling, they're finding their guests, they're recording, they're getting the editing done. Yeah, I mean, to a certain degree, they kind of figured out the ropes of podcasting on our shows as far as like flow and what they wanted to do and, you know, kind of how it, it, it needs to come together for them. And, and you know, I, I sat down and answered a few questions for them when they were getting their thing together, but... You know, for the most part, I, I don't feel like I can take credit because, I mean, they're out there doing the work. The flip side is, is it was familiar enough for them at the time that they felt like they could. And so if anything, I feel like I might have empowered them a little bit to feel like they could go out and do it. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's more, what I mean. More than I, that I would really take credit for it, if that makes any sense. Oh, no, yeah, they're obviously hustling and doing the work. I was just yeah. thinking this is their sort of their launching pad for lack of a better word. It's funny, too, because people are like, oh, so they went out and started a competitive podcast to JavaScript Jabber, does that bother you? I'm like, no. Honestly, the more content there there is out there to help people out, the happier I am. I don't so, think we've reached anywhere near saturation in terms of development resources and development podcasts and that kind of stuff. Well, the other thing is, is that ultimately, it's funny too, because people are like, well, do you think of these people as competitors? And I'm like, not really. I mean, we might compete a little bit over like advertising budgets, right? As far as sponsorships go, that might happen. You know, I've had a few people tell me, yeah, I'm putting my money into Shop Talk Show or What's Wet West Boss's Syntax. Syntax, Syntax FM, yeah. Right? And so we're sponsoring them and we don't have enough in the budget to sponsor you too. That happens occasionally. But if it's working for them, I don't blame them for leaving, you know, putting more money over there, right? But as far as podcast listenerships and competing for listeners, what I found is that generally what happens is people will find something they're interested in and they'll subscribe to the podcast about it. So... JavaScript Jabber or Ruby Rogues or whatever, right? They'll, they'll subscribe to it. And then 
if their interest in Ruby wanes or they're interested in Java, JavaScript, you know, they, they wind up doing Swift and doing, um, you know, iOS development or something, right? Then they'll unsubscribe. But, you know, we're not competing for their interest as much as JavaScript really is. And so, you know, when they unsubscribe, it's because of that, not because of us. And then as far as like JavaScript podcasts, if they like our show and they like the other shows, they'll typically subscribe to both and they'll stay subscribed until one of two things happens. Either they move on or we move on to the point where it's just not a good fit anymore, in which case, yeah, quit listening. Or uh, the other thing that happens is they wind up subscribing to so many shows, like, right? So they're, they're subscribed to three JavaScript shows and two true crime shows and a news show and a politics show and a, you know, a local news show or something, you know. And so they wind up with this big list of things to listen to. They realize they don't have time for it. And so then they have to pick a show to drop. So and when so, are you going to yeah. launch a JavaScript-themed true crime podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so crimes against JavaScript. Yeah. I have thought about doing some kind of audio drama that happens in like a programming office. I think that would be really fun. I don't know if I have the skills to write it. That said, I guess I could put that out there into the ether. If you would like to write and or voice that show, come talk to me because oh, I think it's so it'd be easy. way fun. It's so easy. I mean, it's 10 p.m. One of your coworkers just pushed a commit to prod that took everything down. Yeah, that's right. We'll spend 10 episodes investigating what happened. Yeah, you know, it starts out with uh, some, you know, you hear the sheets rustling as, as the phone's going, right? And, uh, you know, so, so, you know, you hear somebody roll over. Oh, and then you hear, you know, the, the woman's voice, you know, his wife's in the bed next to him. Honey, who is it? It's work. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it'd be really interesting to, to pull something together. I, I think you would have to go and create a little bit of the drama or add a little bit of humor to it. But I think people would be interested. And, you, you know, you could build it around just common developer issues. But yeah, I, I don't know exactly what the nature would have to be to make it entertaining enough for people to want to listen to. You need to find somebody who works as a developer, but Moonlight's as a playwright. That's really yeah, basically, a, basic combination. There's all kinds of those out there. I'm sure we. Oh yeah, yes, I'm sure there are. <laughs> it's a dime a dozen. But yeah, if somebody wants to play the part of screenwriter slash whatever, I'm sure we can find plenty of people to voice these characters. Well, Interestingly enough, the true crime like podcasts did, have really gotten popular over the last few years, so that's always so, always fun too. We could do like a developer forensics. Dan, were you saying something? CSI job. No, I, I was. Yeah. I was just saying that as long as it doesn't come out like the Dilbert animated series, then you're good. Did they animate Dilbert? Yeah, they did. And then it failed, crashed and burned horribly. I can't even imagine. The comics are hilarious, but yeah, I'm trying to imagine animating. I don't know. You could probably find old episodes in, on YouTube or something, but they're pretty terrible. So <laughs> I don't know if there's a lot of point in that. Not recommended, uh, huh? Well, the problem with those is that when you read a comic, you know, you're reading so much in your mind and you're imagining what their voice sounds like. And then when it comes up on TV, it's totally different than what you'd imagined in your head. And so it doesn't, yeah. doesn't quite work for you. The pointy hair boss does sound like one or two of the idiots that I have worked for in the past. But yeah, most of my bosses have been terrific, but I've had one or two that they just, it felt like they willfully didn't want to understand it. So the, the last segment of this that I kind of wanted to hit is, you know, are, are there things that you all are working on now? I, I guess we talked about where people are at, but, you know, are you working on any, any open source or writing any books or maintaining a blog or 
anything that you want people to go and check out that you're doing? Now, my site is sort of the typical developer site in that you're so busy working on other stuff that you don't have time <laughs> to work on your own, you know? So I will say that I'm uh, quote unquote eating my own dog food and then I rewrote mine from Drupal to Vue. So I'm just using Vue and hosting it on Netlify. Nice. With, uh, so are you using one of the Vue frameworks? So Nuxt or something like that? No, just straight Vue and I was using Netlify's pre-rendering okay. capability for that. So I like to work with, I mentioned Form.io. I really, I just love their platform. And, and I'm working with a guy named Randall there on uh, developing a Vue starter kit for their platform so that you can just come in and pick it up and start writing right away. So Randall and I are working on that together when we can. Nice. How about you, Christopher? What's going on uh, with Close Brace? You got anything new coming out? So Close Brace right now, like I was saying, the the contract work has eaten up a little bit more of my time than I wanted to. So I am doing the weekly newsletter each week, but that's about all I've had the time for. I do actually have a React Native series that's like three quarters of the way done that I need to, frankly, at this point, update for the more recent versions of React Native and um, make a few additional changes to. And then I'm hoping to get that out uh, pretty early in, in the new year. I've got plans for potentially a, a short ebook on uh, unit testing with Jest. I actually have considered, been considering for a while, and I think I even mentioned it on maybe my JavaScript story, doing a podcast of my own that is a, just a brief sort of high-level overview of different JavaScript technologies. So I'm still sort of working out the plan for that, but that is definitely on the table for 2020. Hoping to be able to do it, but I understand that it's quite a bit of work, uh, especially when it's just you doing all of the different pieces of getting the podcast recorded. I do a video tutorial for every one of my weekly JavaScript tutorials and that, you know, I do the editing, I do all of the parts of that and it is intensive. So I'm sure recording podcasts is uh, pretty similar there. As far as that goes, I've thought about doing something similar on devchat.tv. So let's talk and see if we can make something like that work. Sure. Happy to do so. From a other stuff standpoint, you know, I've mentioned in the past that I write fiction. I have five books available. Uh, they're self-published. The last one came out last year called Elixir. It's a near future thriller. People who've read it seem to really like it. So if people want to check that out, uh, they can definitely do that. You can find all of my stuff at cwbeekler.com, C-W-B-U-E-C-H-E-L-E-R.com. And let's see, I'm working on the second draft of a new book. It's called Possessed. It's about a young woman who accidentally gets possessed by a demon. And it is a set in modern times. And it's a, sort of an action comedy in the vein of uh, Christopher Moore's work or John Scalzi's or Charlie Jane Anders, if you've read her books, sort of funny, modern fantasy. So hopefully I'll get draft two done soon. And then I'll be sending that out to agents. I used to have an agent. She had to leave the business. So I'm back to square one there been an interesting ride. Nice. How about you, Dan? I actually wanted to mention uh, technology that uh, I'm, I'm involved with, but it's more of a Wix thing than me personally. But I think I still think it's kind of relevant for this discussion. So for the longest time, Wix was kind of wholly relevant for a podcast like this, because the whole point of building a website on Wix was that you didn't need to get involved in, in you know, JavaScript or HTML or CSS. It was just drag and drop and we build the website for you. But we recently actually released a technology called uh, Corvid, which actually lets you write JavaScript code into the websites that you build using Wix. So you kind of 
use Wix to design your, your user interface, but then you can automate it or add really advanced functionality using JavaScript. And we will run that both in the browser and on our servers. And we provide uh, services like authentication and uh, data binding and, and a built-in database and so on and so forth. And it might actually be even a topic for a whole uh, JavaScript Jabber episode to discuss this at one point or another. And it's really cool for me. And it's also a technology that's also, from my perspective, really making the performance uh, aspect of my work even more of a challenge because now it's not, not just our code that's getting run on both our servers and in, in Wix sessions, but also actual user code. So uh, what do I do? How do I kind of, you know, create a, a path in which I kind of uh, lead the people who are using these technologies in the direction that they build performant websites and, and don't do kind of uh, things that will end up making the website really, really slow and, and not functional. So I think that's a really cool technology that we're doing and that I'm involved with. I mentioned that I really like doing conferences. I'll, I'm not speaking there, but I'll be going to the Chrome Dev Summit conference in November in San Francisco. So if, and if hopefully if by, if by that time this episode comes out and any one of our listeners happens to be there, I'd be really happy if they, you know, just catch me and, and, you know, discuss whatever. That will be awesome. And that's about it. I think. Awesome. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Dave, do you have anything you're working on or anything new you want to bring up and shout out? Uh, I think the best thing that people should check out from me is our podcast, Soft Skills Engineering. And we've actually had just an insane amount of audience growth recently. People seem to be really loving it. People are writing in tons of questions. We're answering them. The podcast is funny, insightful. Check us out at softskills.audio. Um, you can just search soft skills engineering. Actually, if you just type the word soft in most podcast apps nowadays, it's gotten popular enough that it'll come up as a first result, which is great. So go, go check it out. Subscribe. We actually have a Slack community too that people can join where people can talk about like career questions and get advice on what to do, how to either, you know, there's people there who are brand new engineers, there's people with 20 years of experience. Lots of good questions. We've got over 100 people in the Slack community now, which is really cool. So check it out, Soft Skills Engineering. Nice. And for me, yeah, most of the effort that I'm putting in these days is going to be on Max Coders, uh, maxcoders.io. If you join the mailing list, you're going to get a lot of, you know, again, that, that content as far as just, you know, how to become a Max Coder, how to become that, that top-notch developer that people want to work with and learn from and, you know, all of those things. So yeah, go check it out at maxcoders.io or just come to devchat.tv you know, put your email address in and we'll start sending you those emails. You'll also get a roundup of all the episodes uh, that we put out for the week. Of course, the the email, the list of episodes is so long now that I have I go into Gmail and I have to click the link at the bottom that says show the entire email because it's so long. So excited about all that stuff. And yeah, we, we've got new shows coming out. So we'll keep you apprised on that too. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood. And over the last few years, I've gotten to know a lot of great people within the Microsoft community and specifically in the .NET area. Uh, one of our guests from JavaScript Jabber, Sean Clabo, actually reached out to me and said he wanted to start a show on .NET. And there are a ton of people out there that I feel like sometimes get neglected in the .NET space. So if you're one of those folks, uh, you've been listening to maybe one or two of the other .NET-focused or Microsoft-focused podcasts for a while and thought, well, where's the devchat.tv style podcast for me in .NET? 
you can find it. It's at adventuresin.net.net is spelled out D-O-T-N-E-T. Adventuresin.net.com. Go check it out today. Let's go ahead and do some picks and wrap this one up. Let's start with Steve this time. Steve, you have some picks for us? I'm not one of those people that uses a lot of new tools or does a lot of book reading. So I'm always struggling to find something to to pick, but I'm going to go with one that I mentioned here earlier in that uh, the Form.io platform. It's just a really neat platform in that it uh, you have a really great uh, drag and drop form builder. And then for every resource or form that you create, it automatically generates an API for you, a full API with that you can use. So it's, uh, it's a really neat platform and you can do some really fancy, uh, huge stuff with it. I, I used it for a project for a company one time that shaved three days off of their estimation process for a manufacturing process. So it's really neat what it can do. It's uh, it's open source, all of it's open source and available under Form.io on, on GitHub. And, and uh, just some I really like working with. Awesome. Dave, do you have some picks for us? Yeah, two picks. So this summer was the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon mission. And the BBC put out a new podcast about it called 13 Minutes to the Moon. It's super good. They've got a bunch of interviews with the Apollo 11 engineers, some of the programmers, some of the uh, astronauts. Super, super good content uh, from the BBC called 13 Minutes to the Moon. It's supposed to be focusing on the last 13 minutes of the lunar lander's descent to the moon surface, but they go into a ton of history about the computer hardware, the programming. They go to MIT and they talk to the people who built the original rope weave memory systems that are like wires and magnets woven together by seamstresses in Massachusetts. I mean, it's incredible. Super good content. Check that out. The other one is a card game. It's a very cheap card game. It's eight bucks called The Mind. It's a collaborative game. No one can talk to each other. And all you have is a handful of cards that are numbers one through 100. And you have to try to put everyone's cards in order without looking at each other's cards or communicating in order. You have to put them down uh, in a stack face up. It is surprisingly fun to try to predict, okay, do I have the next card or not? And it's, it's really cool. So it's called The Mind. It's super cheap, eight bucks on Amazon. Check it out. Those are my picks. Awesome. Dan. Yeah, so I have two picks. Uh, the first one is actually another podcast, one that's totally not technology related. I'm a bit of a history buff, and this is an awesome one for me. It's called Revolutions. It's by Mike Duncan. It's the same guy that did uh, the History of Rome podcast, and it's just an excellent podcast. He goes through various uh, modern revolutions, uh, you know, the French Revolution, the American Revolution, uh, Simon Bolivar in South America. It's just really, it's a highly recommended podcast if you're into history. He just makes stuff so clear and so interesting and so entertaining. I just love it, and uh, I enjoy listening to, to it a whole lot. So that's one thing I, that I would definitely recommend. The other thing is, you know, you guys keep speaking, talking about uh, books and the topics of uh, fantasy books come up a lot. And everybody is kind of familiar with uh, Tolkien and with uh, J- George R. R. Martin and also guys like uh, Robert Jordan or Brandon Sanderson and so forth. And I thought that uh, it might be interesting to bring up some of the less familiar authors just, uh, you know, that I've enjoyed reading over the years and have excellent books that have, for some reason have, are, are not as famous or have fallen by the wayside. So one series that I would like to highlight, uh, I'll start with this one, is called, uh, it's the, an excellent uh, series of books titled uh, The Winter of the World. It's by an author called uh, Michael Scott Rowan, who I've uh, recently learned has passed away last year, which is a shame. 
It's kind of, uh, it's sort of set in our own Ice Age, but uh, it has uh, a lot of magic going on and monsters and gods and what's not. The first part of that uh, series is a trilogy, and then it's followed by two additional books that are essentially independent, but are just set in the same world. And uh, I highly recommend it if you enjoy this type of, this style of books, this style of stories. It's really, really highly recommended. And those are my picks. Awesome. Chris, do you have some picks? Uh, I do. I have two this week. So this is probably not super new for anybody who has worked with GraphQL at all. Uh, I'm working with GraphQL in React. I'm using a technology called Apollo. Apollo is sort of my pick, but more specifically, their GraphQL playground that runs automatically when you're running the Apollo server. Uh, if you head to localhost local host port 4000 while you're running the GraphQL server, server, you get really nice, really usable UI that helps you sort of mess around with your queries and mutations. Uh, it's not only useful for testing stuff and making sure it works, it's also just useful for getting a better understanding of how GraphQL works. So if you happen to be working with Apollo but didn't know about that, definitely check it out. And if you haven't worked with Apollo at all yet, I recommend it. It really makes working with GraphQL and React a lot easier. My other pick is a uh, complete 180 from that. It's uh, a cartoonist on Twitter whose work I love. His name is Jake Lawrence. He goes by at the time cowboy. Uh, it's spelled exactly the way it sounds. He draws these absolutely adorable fantasy comics that are super sweet and just really, really fun. And he's got this great cartoony style. Uh, he posts stuff pretty much every single day on the weekdays. He's also into bird watching, so he posts a lot of pictures of birds if that happens to be your thing as well. Definitely worth checking out. Uh, he's got a, a series that's on number 94, 95 at this point called A Nice Long Walk, which is a fantasy series, and it's just not like any other fantasy you might encounter because it's just, it's nicer. There's no there's no death, there's no gore, there's no terrible demons. It's It's difficult to explain, but it's a really fun read. So yeah, check them out, The Time Cowboy. Nice. Uh, I have a few picks of my own. Um, first of all, so this Saturday, I'm going to be running the St. George Marathon. And so I'm going to pick that. By the time you uh, hear this, I will, have, I will have finished it. It's funny because I've had a few people, are you worried you're not going to finish it? Nope. <laughs> I'm not worried. I've been training. I'm, I'm going to finish it. I'm excited about that. One of the things that I figured out really makes a big difference for the marathon I was trying to do it all on, on the keto diet. Yeah, the, the rub is essentially that, um, yeah, for whatever reason, I was just struggling to get longer distances. And I switched over and started using these uh, gels. The, the brand is Goo, G-U. Boy, that makes a big difference. You know, it's some of the keto purists are going to basically, you know, they might have an issue with that. But I just run better on sugar, I guess. So, uh, you know, they're just... Sugar and caffeine is essentially the, the main deal with those. And yeah, so I just pop one of those in every 45 minutes or so while I'm running. And uh, yeah, I'm able to just, you know, I'm able to stick out a nice hard long run. So that's the plan on the marathon. And yeah, looking forward to all of that. One other pick that I have is BRBO. So the whole family's going down to St. George. We're staying in a, a condo in Santa Clara, which is right near St. George. Yeah, we were able to find a nice place to stay. They've got some really great vacation rentals, and so we're doing that. My mom actually booked another one up in Garden City, which is up near Bear Lake. It's on the Utah-Idaho border during the winter. And so, you know, we're kind of having two days where the whole family gets together, so we're going to go play games and go sledding and stuff like that up there. 
yeah, if you're looking for a vacation rental where, you know, a bunch of you can get together and, and do that kind of thing, some of these vacation rentals will sleep like 40 or 50 people. And so, um, some great options there. I've seen a few of them too that are like on ranches. And so you basically, you know, you drive out to the ranch and you've just got all this space to go four wheeling and stuff. I mean, just whatever your fancy is, you can probably find something that's going to work out for you there. So, uh, shout outs there. And then one last thing, I'm trying to arrange meetups at the different conferences I'm going to be at through the end of the year. Currently, that includes San Francisco, Nashville, Orlando, and San Diego. I'm trying to work my way into um, AWS reInvent, which is in Las Vegas, but no promises there yet. If you're interested in any of those or in, in, interested in meeting up with me at any of those places, I'd love to connect. And, uh, and so if you go to devchat.tv slash events, I'll have the event details there as far as where, you know, where I'm going to be for those meetups. And uh, we'll line things up so that, uh, yeah, you can just show up and we'll, we'll meet. I'm probably going to ask for RSVPs and that way I can just show up to the restaurant and just say, hey, I need a table for eight people or whatever. We'll do that. So anyway, I'm excited to meet people. I love meet, meeting people who listen to the show. If you want to listen, if you want to talk to me, you know, none of those places work. Just go to devchat.tv slash one five minutes, 15 minutes. That'll take you to my calendar. You can just book 15 minutes and we'll talk on Zoom. So, so Chuck, one quick clarification on this gel. That's something, it's not something you like put on your shoes and it makes you run faster. It's something you're actually eating. Yes. You couldn't tell from the description there. Yeah. Oh, okay. And it's just sugar and caffeine and yeah, it's just fuel to get you through the race. And I don't need it when I'm going, you know, five, six miles. But once I'm out to about 10 miles, I start needing it. So. I would probably need it after one. So you're doing much better than me. It's funny because I've had a few people say that. It only took me a few weeks to start getting past one or two miles and not dying. So anyway, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Everybody take care and uh, max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.